Let's review Daytona by Pusha T, shall we? The album release schedule for good music this year started with Daytona. After him was Kanye West with his album, Ye, then Kanye and Kid Cudi with their side project, Kids See Ghosts. All these albums share one common bond though. There are only seven tracks. So with only seven tracks on Daytona, there's no room for error if one expects to receive a superb album from Pusha T. And for the most part, I think we got something close to that description. Daytona is an airtight and short album full of cocaine-laced manifestos. The subject matter on here is familiar territory whether it's about drug dealing, luxury, seeking vengeance, or all of the above. With two solo albums out prior to this one, Pusha T seemed to have shown some progression. While his first album, My Name Is My Name, was a mixed bag, his second album, Darkest Before Dawn, was a big improvement and showed promise for his third album since Darkest Before Dawn was only a prelude to King Push, an album title that has since been scrapped. Between Darkest Before Dawn and Daytona, there were a few songs he released under the assumption that the King Push album would be released, but they never made it to any album, including this one. There was HGTV Freestyle, Circles with Ty Dolla Sign and Designer, and the best of them all, Drug Dealers Anonymous with Jay-Z. On the production table, Kanye West takes over on all of the tracks, which is probably the first time he has produced an album in a while. Every track has sample-based production with some nimble drums or thudding bass or both. The album first starts off with If You Know You Know, a psychedelic rock industrial fusion sound from the sample guitar work from hard rock band Air. There's also some creepy squealing vocals while Pusha T raps about his work effort in the drug dealing world. The song title itself may be misleading at first, but what he means is that if you have seen the path that he has taken in his life, then it's going to mean the world to you. These bars are the best highlight of this track by far. Quote, The company I keep is not corporate enough. Child rebel soldier, you ain't orphan enough. A rapper turned trapper can't morph into us. But a trapper turned rapper can morph into puff. The games we play is about the luxury that the drug money can buy. The song itself has a looped and chopped sample from Booker T. Averhart. It's a celebratory track with a small but potent hook. I like that he says he is like the Ghostface killer and Raekwon to the young crowd. I also like the third verse as a whole and specifically the first few bars where he's giving an ode to Jay-Z by rapping two bars off his song Politics As Usual and then adding his own flavor after. Hard Piano is the only track that I have a problem with instrumentally. The dreary piano leads and percussion just wash into a messy arrangement before we get some synths which come in at an odd time of the song and doesn't make the instrumental much better. Frequent collaborator Rick Ross has a solid verse and the song title actually has a double entendre, piano keys equaling keys of cocaine. It obviously fits with the content of the song itself as they elaborate on the challenging and woeful endeavors that they've had to endure in order to get to their version of success. Also, there's a catchy chorus from the world-famous Tony Williams. Comeback Baby is probably my favorite track on the album. It has this one sample from the mighty Hannibal that starts it off 
and a sample from George Jackson as its chorus. Both of them fit nicely as Pusha T raps about his love for drug dealing and the money that he earns from it. In the intro, the mighty Hannibal says that he has a question for any heroin addicts before it cuts and moves on to Pusha T's first verse. In the chorus, George Jackson expresses his frustration with needing the heroin that he's trying to withdraw from to set him free, but he knows it's a tough battle because of the addictive nature that comes with taking heroin. I love the deep and subtle sub-bass that carries the verses. Aside from the production, Pusha T brought his best on here. Quote, If we go by connections made, I can still climb ladders when complexions fade. White on white, that's the testa. Black on black, that's the Tesla. At this point in the track listing, the listening makes a turn for something darker. And here he details a grim reality that Pusha T has on the track Santeria. That grim reality for him is the untimely death of Devon Pickett, his former road manager who was murdered in 2015. He talks to the spirit of Devon through Santeria to cope with the pain of losing him. He shares his passion for vengeance on the ones that murdered him and the everyday anguish of knowing that he is no longer here. The Spanish sung chorus from 070 Shake is gripping and I love the beat change up at the two third mark of the song. What Would Meek Do is a track where Pusha T speaks to folk talking reckless about him. The coke talk and the braggadocious raps are there of course, but what floored me was the link between him and Meek Mill's legal issues with these bars. Quote, Angel on my shoulder, what should we do? Devil on the other, what would Meek do? Papa Willie, tell the judge to Akinelli. Old heads most likely know what he's talking about when he tells the judge to Akinelli. As much as Kanye compliments Pusha T and vice versa as producer and rapper, I'm virtually torn with Kanye's verse. On one hand, he sounds like an idiot for asking if he's too complex for complex con. He airs out his recent feud with the media and asking if he would get pulled over if he was wearing a MAGA hat while black. All that just takes away from the tone of the song that Pusha T had set lyrically. He just sounds petty. On the other hand, he had some good lines, like him showing his scars like Seal and that Six Rings reference. And here we finally get to the most talked about song on the album prior to its release, Infrared. A song that doesn't hold back any lyrical punches at Drake, Wayne, and Birdman. He goes at Drake for allegedly having his songs written by Quentin Miller. He goes at Lil Wayne for being stuck in a record contract he can't get out of and is unable to retire. Yes, I know he was just released from his contract. He salutes Rick Ross for exposing Birdman for his pattern of mismanaging his artists, which he exposed to the public on Exodus 23-1 a couple years ago, but he was regarded as crazy at the time, according to him. The beat is bone-chilling and subtle, which is the point. The, because the lyrics are what matter more here. I like where he points out that he didn't have to shuck and jive to be successful. I like the Annie and Jay-Z line where he essentially says that it took a sample from a popular movie for Jay to win a Grammy. Will Smith winning the first ever rap Grammy was also mentioned to continue the narrative that the Grammys only pick what is popular and accessible to the public. And to be fair to Will Smith, he boycotted the Grammys because the ceremony for that particular award wasn't going to be televised. As clean and popular 
as he was, he still had integrity. As of now, the beef between Pusha T and Drake is over. Pusha T won by a technical knockout, meaning Jay Prince ended the beef after Pusha T landed some brutal hits on the story of Adidon. But why did Drake blatantly respond now when Pusha T dissed him six years ago? Sure, there was some sneak dissing from him on Tuscan Leather and Two Birds, One Stone, but he couldn't do this shortly after Exodus 23-1? I guess we'll never know. It's no hyperbole to say that this album mirrors some of Jay-Z's projects. I mentioned the Annie reference on Infrared and the interpolation on the games we play, but he also interpolates from Jay-Z's The Prelude from his Kingdom Come album on Infrared. He looks up to mafioso rappers like Jay, Ghost, and Ray. At 41, he's competing with the young rappers of the mainstream today. Fans have been waiting for him to reach his potential as a solo artist. Well, I believe he made it. I give it a strong 8.